This is Coast to Coast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys. One from each coast, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coast to Coast on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi in Massachusetts. And this is Craig Williams in southern sunnies and windy today, Southern California. I write a blog called May It Please the Court. Uh, and I write a blog called Law Sites, another one called Media Law. And, uh, Craig, today we're going to be talking about uh, kind of the intersection of, of, of various aspects of the First Amendment with respect to free speech and establishment of religion. Uh, the First Amendment, uh, just in case our listeners haven't read it recently, says... Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Well, Bob, weeks ago, Congress removed a provision in a military bill that would have allowed chaplains to offer prayer at mandatory non-denominational events in the military. Yeah, the the provision uh, had... uh, made it through the House in the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, which was a bill that would set military spending. Backers of it included Representative Duncan Hunter, a Republican from the San Diego area, and uh, who's chairman of the House Armed Services Committee. Uh, In the Senate, though, they uh, lost the the wording they were looking for, and and, uh, although they got a compromised version through, it wasn't quite what they were looking for. Well, Christian conservatives in Congress are expected to renew their fight to allow military chaplains to pray in the name of Jesus at public events, contending that existing practices infringe on basic religious freedoms. Many say, though, it's a tactic to get the religious right to vote for the upcoming tight November congressional elections. Well, today we'll discuss this controversial provision as it relates to the law, along with uh, Christian conservatives' promise to fight for the uh, chaplain's prayer and First Amendment rights. And we've assembled three uh, uh, well-qualified guests who we're honored to have on the program, uh, starting with uh, Attorney Charles L. Babcock. Uh, Mr. Babcock has developed a national litigation practice in his 28-year career at Jackson Walker. Uh, He's one of the top First Amendment lawyers in the country. Uh, He's based in Houston, Texas, and he's tried more than 100 cases to jury verdict. He's a fellow of the American College of Trial Lawyers, the International Academy of Trial Lawyers, a member of the American Law Institute, frequent lecturer and writer on trial practice and First Amendment issues. Welcome to the program, Chip. May I call you Chip? Uh, yeah, please do call me Chip. My, my dad's name is Charles. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Well, my name is uh, J. Craig Williams. My father's name is James. Most people call me Craig, and I, maybe I'll play in, uh, somewhat of a role in this discussion today because he was a chaplain in the Army. But our next guest is David New. David is a popular speaker for religious freedom issues, the Constitution and the First Amendment. He publishes monthly articles focusing on politics and religion on the website Faith and Action. And Faith and Action is a missionary organization for Capitol Hill and is headed by the Reverend Robert Schenck, outspoken on the controversy at hand. Welcome, David. Nice to be with you. Thanks. And finally joining us today is Elliot Mintzberg. Uh, Elliot Mintzberg is Vice President, General Counsel, and Legal Director of People for the American Way Foundation, a national nonpartisan citizens organization that works to promote religious liberty, church-state separation, public education, and free expression. Elliot has written, spoken, and litigated extensively on religious liberty and other First Amendment issues. 
uh, and he's a, a returning guest to this program. Uh, welcome back to the show, Elliot Mintzberg. Good to be with you again. Well, let's talk about this current controversy, and maybe, Chip, you can kind of give us the groundwork on the law on this, since you're the First Amendment lawyer that um, has a great background on the issue. Uh, well, thanks. I'd be, I'd be happy to, to try. I think, uh, I, I think there are two issues that, that um, face us. One is just a matter of policy and whether or not the, the House version and the Senate version are, are good policy for our uh, nation's uh, military. And, and the second uh, issue, of course, is, is whether or not if, if such a bill were passed, uh, would it be uh, constitutional? And the House version uh, of the bill, is, as you know, introduced language that would have allowed for uh, sectarian uh, prayer uh, at mandatory meetings of the military. In other words, um, if, uh, if there was a, a military meeting where everyone uh, in the particular division had to be there, uh, then a chaplain could, uh, if this bill passed, uh, preach in a sectarian uh, way. And, uh, and I have some doubts uh, that uh, a bill of that nature, uh, if it were challenged, uh, would, would survive First Amendment uh, scrutiny. David New, what is your take on this issue? I don't think there's any question that the, if there was such a bill that it would pass, because if you're going to allow a taxpayer's expense chaplains of various denominations, then it makes little difference whether they pray in a particular sectarian nature or not. Of course, the main thing about this bill is that it allows any chaplain of any religion to pray according to his or her conscience, and that's the key. It doesn't favor one group. Well, I, I think Chip is absolutely right as a matter of, of First Amendment law. Uh, we're, we're talking about literally captive audience prayer, uh, and, and it would be unfair and improper to subject soldiers to that in the same way that the Supreme Court's ruled you can't subject school children to captive audience prayer. But the policy is important here, too. The whole reason we even have chaplains paid for by the government is, be, is to help soldiers, because after all, soldiers aren't able to go to some nearby church or synagogue to pray because of, of the military duty. And the Pentagon made very clear what they thought as a matter of policy about this provision, pointing out that it could create disunity in the armed forces, marginalizing chaplains who use prayers that create discomfort among service members and cause significant erosion of unit cohesion. So not only do we have a problem with religious liberty, but really harming our troops and and our effectiveness in the military by this kind of divisive proposal. Well, the problem the problem with that viewpoint is that these regulations are fairly new. Uh, it was the U United States Air Force and the Navy that came up with these regulations to ban sectarian prayer under certain circumstances, and these regulations came out in 2000 and 2005. And, of course, the chaplains of the U.S. military not only go back to the time of uh, the first Congress, but they even predate the uh, existence of the federal government. And well, and I think most people been a would, would agree with this issue. But I think most people would agree that only in recent years, frankly, has there been an effort by some on the religious right to try to promote sectarian prayer by chaplains who traditionally have had the point of view that their job is to serve the troops and to provide whatever kind of religious services the troops want to do, not to promote their own uh, strongly uh, religious views, if that's the case, uh, even if the troops are unwilling. 
But what are the, the First Amendment issues at stake in this case? I mean, are we talking about, about the speech of the chaplains or the religious rights of, of the service members or a little of both? Well, I think clearly both of those are being talked about, and 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 to a certain extent on, on on opposite sides. I mean, from our perspective, if a chaplain wants the ability to speak in an unfettered way to proselytize and preach the way they want to, the military might not be the best place for them, and they clearly can go other places. But certainly, David would argue that their speech is being quote unquote infringed. We would argue what's happening is that the religious rights of the service members are being protected, along with the, the Pentagon's view of the best way to ensure unit cohesion in the military. Is there a First Amendment right in the military? Well, the Supreme Court has said that the First Amendment applies in the military not quite as vigorously as it does in civilian life. But I think that Chip is right in what he said before, that a view that would say that an individual minister could decide to subject service members to captive audience religious prayer, I think would, uh, would run afoul of the First Amendment. Yeah, I, I, I think that, that that side of the equation is, is in my view anyway, pretty, pretty clear. Uh, but but the, other, the other side of the equation is, uh, can the government uh, stop a chaplain or restrict, uh, restrain a chaplain from uh, speaking in a particular way to willing listeners? Uh, and, that, uh, and that's a pretty interesting First Amendment question. Uh, certainly in the military, uh, all members of the military, for obvious reasons, uh, have uh, diluted First Amendment rights. It's not like you, you have the right to go out on a, a street corner and hand out pamphlets or, uh, or go to a public park and give whatever speech you want. Having said that, uh, any kind of viewpoint uh, restriction uh, on what uh, a chaplain might say to a willing listener as opposed to a mandatory, uh, uh, a mandatory situation uh, would have to raise some First Amendment questions from that side of the of the coin. But, but that's not the issue in this case, right? I mean, if if a if a Roman Catholic uh, chaplain is is uh, uh, having a prayer session with with Roman Catholic service members in, in a in a clearly denominational meeting, uh, they're they're free to invoke Roman Catholic prayers at that meeting, right? I mean, that that's not. This this bill uh, would have only applied, or, or this policy only applies to mandatory uh, non-denominational meetings. Right, but but the but the part about it where the, but the guidelines uh, that are now rescinded uh, may raise the First Amendment issue from the speaker's point of view. Yeah, I think we need to get our facts straight. Uh, what happened just recently is that the Congress rescinded the new regulations that were instituted in the year 2000 and 2005 by two branches of the armed services. That's all they did. They didn't go any further than that. And basically the old rules, which are now in effect, which have been in effect for quite some time, are far more friendly towards religious speech within the military. And that's the key. This is not something that the religious right is uh, all about. It's not some sort of a conspiracy that the people for the American way or some of these groups find all the time. These are new regulations that were imposed upon members of the United States military in the chaplaincy that they found objectionable. They want the old except, standard to be reinstated. And that's all that we've got right now. Well, but but the only problem with that is that 
that after uh, Senator John Warner, a uh, conservative Republican, made clear that, that this uh, language that we're talking about wouldn't be included, people like Representative Hunter made very clear that, that rescinding of these regulations wasn't enough, that they wanted to insist on putting the language in that does do exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, what they want to do is to codify what has already been the practice that the old standard, the one that they are now back under, already was flexible enough and elastic enough to allow members of the chaplaincy to pray in whichever way their conscience leads. I just think that's that that does not... I think that that does not accurately state the situation, at least according to the Pentagon itself, which so much opposed the provision that we're talking about. Well, let's let's look at this. What what were what was the policy? We've rolled back to the pre nineteen to the pre existing policy. What was that? What is the the policy now in effect? What does it say on this issue? Well, let me throw one thing into the mix here, Bob. I used to be in the Coast Guard, and when I was in the Coast Guard Academy, it was required that we attend church on Sundays. That was back in the mid seventies. I don't know if that's still in the old rules, but that was the rule when I was in this in the military. But cer- certainly, I I, I haven't. You know, I haven't been as close to this issue as, as any of uh, you, but the, what I'm reading is that, that the rollback does not go as far as uh, the, the the language in the House bill would have done. And, and so I'm wondering, what is the difference between the rollback and what would have been in the House bill? Basically, what's happening is that the rollback basically reinstated what the then existing rules prior to the year 2000 were. And in, in those situations, there was a lot more flexibility with chaplains, the main thing is everybody. It, it didn't benefit the Christian right or some uh, conspiracy group or something like that, or the religious right, I think is the term they use. It didn't benefit one group. Everybody, every chaplain could say the prayer under his or her tradition, and that's the key. We call that freedom. That, that's, it, you know, it's, it's a nice and a simplistic way to put it, but it just ain't so. The fact is, although, although there were no rules written in it as explicitly as in 2000 and 2005, it was always the general understanding and accepted practice that if a chaplain was dealing with, for example, conducting a service with people of a particular faith group, then of course, as we suggested before, that would that would occur. But if a chaplain was appearing at a at a mandatory uh event for all service members, that what that chaplain did would not be proselytizing, would not promote a particular sectarian point of view, but would be more inclusive in nature. And I think it was only because of some of the controversies that have happened in the last several years that a couple of the services felt it was necessary to codify what I would argue was, in fact, the pre-existing custom of doing things in an inclusive, not exclusionary way. So we're not going to get agreement on this call on on what the the pre-existing status was. But I think it's quite clear that as a matter of First Amendment law and as a matter of operating the military properly, having a situation where individual preachers can can proselytize to a captive audience of servicemen is a very bad idea. Well, under the old rules, how would it be that a military chaplain would give a non-denominational prayer at a mandatory event that involved all soldiers to an agnostic soldier? There, There's certainly no question that 
and that's one of the examples that I was talking about before, where the First Amendment doesn't apply, frankly, as much as I might like it to, uh, to, uh, to all situations in the military as it does in civilian life. You certainly couldn't have a situation in a public school where even a non-denominational prayer was offered to a mandatory classroom or assembly. But I think the effort, as I have understood the history of the military, is for the chaplain to be as inclusive as possible in that kind of situation. Yeah, I think what we ha- we're having here is political correctness gone amok. I think what we need to learn as Americans is a better spirit of tolerance, that even though I may not agree with that person's viewpoint, I respect that person, and I will not be offended simply because that person prays in the name of Allah or whoever. And that's the main thing. Really, the, the ultimate goal of the people for the American way, I suspect in many instances, they wouldn't like to see military chaplains at all. Uh, if, 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 I don't know if Elliot wants to get into that at all. But most of these groups would not even allow military chaplains to exist. And if you carry this business to its logical conclusion and say, well, you can't pray in this name, you can't pray this way, you can't pray that way, then really, logically, you ought to just get rid of the chaplaincy altogether. You know, it's not the first time David has tried to caricature our positions. It's just not true. Oh, you do support chaplaincy in the military. That there is an important purpose that chaplains serve because our soldiers are in places like Iraq okay. and Afghanistan I'm pleased to hear that. where they're not able to freely exercise their religion. And therefore, the purpose of chaplains is not to be there so that the chaplains can proselytize and do what they want to do, but to serve the soldiers in a way that it is, is as friendly to the soldiers as possible. And that's why the Pentagon and we are on the same side on this one, that this policy would be a very bad idea. Well, I'm very pleased to hear that. I'm very pleased. But I will say this. Uh, one of the things that we need to understand, even though you're, you're coming out from the soldier's point of view, the chaplains also have rights as well, and that's the key. It doesn't benefit just Christians. It benefits Jews. It benefits Muslims. It benefits Buddhists. It benefits all religions, and that's the key. It's fair and it's constitutional. We're going to take a short break. Stay with us, and we'll be back with more of this in 60 seconds. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. If you have a comment or question, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781-634-8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show.
A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. I'm Craig Williams. And this is Bob Ambrogi. We want to welcome back uh, Attorney Chip Babcock from Jackson Walker, David W. New, a popular speaker on religious freedom issues uh, for faith in action, and Elliot Mintzberg, Vice President, General Counsel, and Legal Director of People for the American Way Foundation. Uh, Chip Babcock, I wanted to come back to you for a second. You you started this program by saying that uh, you thought that had this bill gone through that it might not have survived challenge in the courts. Uh, what what guidance is there from the courts on this question? Are, is there case law that, that sheds some light on this issue? Uh, yeah, I think that um, uh, any time uh, the, the government uh, has a provision in its law that compels uh, people to listen to something that they don't want to listen to uh, in the area of religion, uh, you, you start out with, with a couple of strikes against you if you're a sponsor of that position. Uh, the, the question then becomes... Uh, whether or not there are sufficient reasons to overcome uh, a kind of presumption against uh, having unwilling listeners um, uh, listen to a particular type of, of prayer. Uh, the, 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 uh, the precedent, of course, is, is well-established and of long-standing nature, in, in, in not in the military context, but in the, in the, uh, in the school context, where uh, unwilling um, students are not uh, required to listen to a particular type uh, of prayer, and that's um, uh, and and I think it was probably wise of the Congress to avoid uh, that kind of, of issue. Uh, the 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 thing that David and Elliot are are debating is a is a different uh, issue, but but nevertheless, I think raises some serious uh, First Amendment concerns or issues, and that is whether the government uh, can uh, tell a chaplain uh, what to say or what not to say in a particular uh, setting. And uh, again, in the First Amendment, there are hardly ever any absolutes. Uh, our Supreme Court has, in, in the history of its jurisprudence, has shied away from, uh, from absolutes in the First Amendment area. Probably the closest we have is, is a a prohibition against prior restraints, and but even so, there are prior restraints that are upheld for sufficient uh, reasons, and and these regulations, uh, as they existed prior to 2000 and 2005, and as they were codified in those two years, and now have been uh, uh, rescinded, uh, it seems to me raises the the First Amendment issues of the speakers, that is, of the chaplains. Uh, and how that balance is cut by the by the military uh, is is a pretty good constitutional issue, and it raises some great policy issues, as as David and 
and Elliot have been debating. Well, I, I know that I was an officer in the Air Force uh, for four years, and we just never had any problems along this area. I went to officer candidate school. We didn't have any problems in this area, and I, I think this is just, uh, I'm sad to see this situation happen. I think if the rule is allowed to where the rights of the chaplains are respected, what you will find is a mix. You will find some chaplains who believe by conscience that they should be allowed to pray in a particular way, but you will also find chaplains who are more accommodating, shall we say, from the people or the American way's point of view, and will make it non-sectarian. You'll find that. You'll, and the military is a very, very big place. There's plenty of room in the military for both kinds of chaplains. There, there may be room in the military for it, but what about the soldier who happens to be, under David's scenario, in a mandatory meeting with a proselytizing preacher uh, who appears to be speaking with the full authority of the government, saying, for example, if well, you don't believe in, in my particular meeting? version of Jesus or, or whatever the deity, you're going to go to hell. That's not what uh, the Pentagon wants to subject its soldiers yeah, to I, on the eve of combat. And there's Elliot, a very I, good I can reason, tell you, having been a member of the military, the type of thing you're talking right about simply to make just, sure just, that just one that at a time, so, so we can sort it out, please. Let's let Elliot finish up. Yeah, I, 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 there's a very good reason to make sure that it doesn't happen from the soldier's perspective. Yes, it's certainly true that there is a restriction on what the minister can say if the minister chooses to go into the military service to begin with, a clearly voluntary decision by that minister if the minister's interest is proselytizing in an untrammeled way every other place but the military and public schools, that's not a problem. Well, Elliot, my understanding is that there is an abridged right of speech in the First Amendment, under the First Amendment for chaplains. So can't the military say to them, you can speak, but you can't proselytize? I would argue yes. David obviously disagrees with that. But, no, no, but I, 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 think, I think that is a perfectly legitimate and indeed maybe even constitutionally compelled thing to, uh, for the military to say to its chaplains. Let, let, me, let me clarify some points on this. Uh, I don't see a problem of chaplains being the aggressive, you're going to hell kind of thing. I have never seen that in the military. I don't know of any chaplain who behaves that way, and I think that they are coloring this thing in a very extreme fashion. Even the chaplains who want to pray in the name of Jesus or Allah or however they want to pray, those chaplains, even under those circumstances, are very accommodating people. They're very sensitive to the feelings of other people. So I just really, it's amazing how this thing has developed. I think the military made this problem. Well, it's not over yet, right? I mean, what's going to happen? Uh, is the bill going to be refiled? Uh, what's the political future of this issue? It's supposed to come up again in January. But of course, depending on what happens in November, it may not come up in January. Chip, is there a way that the military could fashion a prayer that would satisfy everybody that says, you know, we pray in the name of this deity and that deity, and we wish everyone, you know, health and wellness, and we have a moment of silence for those who don't believe in anything? Is that possible? I think there's a, um, I think there's a way for them to do it that would uh, satisfy the Constitution. Uh, I suspect uh, that they could, they could never come up with something that would satisfy everybody. And, and, and as I was listening to the comments, it, it occurs to me that a lot of the litigation, uh, constitutional litigation, are things that are, are sort of at the edges of society, brought by 
uh, people who are not in the mainstream. And the, the genius of our Constitution is that we protect uh, people who are not in, the, not in the mainstream. I mean, uh, you know, I went to class uh, in school at a, before uh, school prayer was, was said to be unconstitutional, and, and I don't think there's anybody in any of my classes that were offended by that, nor, nor was I. Uh, and yet, uh, there was a, uh, a minority of people, a substantial minority, uh, who were offended and brought a legal action, and the Supreme Court ruled uh, as it uh, as it did. You know, having said that, uh, there, there's no question that, that chaplains play an important role in the military. That the military has great latitude uh, in how it regulates uh, the conduct of people under its command, including chaplains. Uh, and so, there's a way for them to do it constitutionally. Uh, and and the, the question is, how do you get there? And and I guess that's what we're talking about. Well, we've reached the end of the program, and we'd like to get some final thoughts and contact information so those listeners who want to continue to join in this debate can get a hold of our our, uh, guests and discuss with them. So, Elliot, let's start with you. Give us your contact information and wrap up your, uh, your final thoughts on the issue. Well, the uh, our our website is www.pfaw.org. I can be reached at eminsberg at pfaw.org. I think this has been an important issue uh, and one that no matter what happens in the elections, I hope the Congress will look at from the perspective of protecting the rights of our of our soldiers under the First Amendment and, frankly preventing the interference with military unit cohesion that the Pentagon has said is so important. And David? I think unit cohesion will be enhanced by respecting the rights of all Americans who serve in the military. And I think there's plenty of room for all views, those who wish to pray in a sectarian way, those who wish not to. David, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Oh, sure. They can go to a heretical website called schoolprayer.us. And Chip? Uh, it's uh, C. Babcock, that's C-B-A-B-C-O-C-K, at JW.com. The JW stands for uh, Jackson Walker, uh, my law firm. And, uh, and I don't want to get too corny about this, but uh, I, I'm just uh, really proud and glad that we live in a country where we can have the kind of discussion uh, that we just had and where uh, our lawmakers are sensitive uh, to our First Amendment concerns and uh, are looking out uh, for uh, the minorities in our communities and, and in the military, the people that uh, probably don't have much of a voice, uh, and and yet the First Amendment is there to protect their voice and to protect their rights. Uh, I've said this many times, but but our, our founders uh, came up with a genius of a system when it comes to free speech and, and free religion and free press. Uh, it's never been uh, even tried on the scale we try it uh, in the history of civilization, um, and it's, uh, uh, it's it's great that we can continue it, and this program is uh, a shining example of that. That sounds a little corny, sorry, but uh, uh, but I do feel it sounded good to me. Those are, those are good words on which end the program. And, and I, I think we can all that. agree on those. Well, here we are, Bob, from the Sound of Freedom on Coast to Coast. Uh, we will talk again <laughs> next week. Talk to you next week, Craig. Thanks a lot to our guests. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams. Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com. 
We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.